Hello, Alaska. This is Pat Race. And this is Matt Buxton. And this is a podcast about Alaska. Yeah, it's been a while since we last talked. Uh, We are currently like two weeks into the legislative session right now. Um, We, you know, Tammy Wilson has resigned uh we've had a state of the state we're talking about fairies we're talking about the budget we're talking about new revenue we're talking about a lot of things right now and so i think we we kind of talked about this podcast sort of being an effort to sort of frame some of the discussions that we're talking about and you know there's a lot of opportunities to continue to sort of delve into each one of these topics into incredible nerdy depth and i think we just want to kind of talk about you know, what we're thinking about the session and what we kind of want to see this session, how we want to see these conversations sort of unfold, because we really are at this kind of fiscal cliff, perhaps, where, you know, state... I've never heard that metaphor before. No, it's really That's... good, isn't it? It really pa- pa- paints a great picture of where we're at. But, you know, the, the big thing right now is that, um, you know, the governor attempted really deep cuts of the budget, and my dog is barking in the background. Let me go um, grab one of them, so... All right. Okay. Um, fiscal clip. Before you, okay. Before we get too far into things, I want to wish you a happy Marmot Day. Oh right, yeah, Happy Marmot Day. Yeah, today's Marmot Day. Uh, it's also o two o two twenty twenty, which is like the first true true palindrome day in like. Like almost, I don't know, nearly a thousand years or something like that. So, anyways, uh, happy Marmot Day to yeah. you, my friend Matt Buxton. Happy Marmot Day! <laughs> and if you want, if you want to learn about Marmot Day, and go back to I think it's episode seven, we go into into great depth about the history and origins and meaning of of kind of fun holidays like that. You started talking about cliffs, and I started thinking about marmots. So, anyways, yeah, what's uh, what what do you want to jump into right away here? Well, so, I mean, so I get, the real big thing I just want to touch on real quick is that we're at the situation right now where we have basically run out of savings, finally. We, as a state, we have really about a year and a half left of kind of not doing anything. Uh, the, so this is the a lot of the legislative finance sort of division presentations this last week where we're looking at kind of the remaining balances and all the different state savings accounts. And, and a lot of people are basically coming to the realization that if we continue to do kind of nothing or not making any big changes, we're really going to run out of money in the next couple of years. So that means, you know, and by nothing, I mean um, no budget cuts, no no significant budget cuts, no significant new revenue, um, kind of this continued sort of unknown sort of murky fight over the size of the PFD, all this sort of stuff. As long as it's not really resolved, we're still kind of running to a big problem. But I, I think that I uh, and I, I hate to take this position, but I think that it's likely that we're not going to do anything. And I think it's likely <laughs> that the, the new normal will become drawing from the uh, earnings reserve account, just like we've done from the constitutional budget reserve and the statutory budget reserve. And we're just going to continue to take the easy path of spending down our savings um, and just sort of redefining. We're, we're going to just keep drawing the line deeper and deeper in, into territory where we shouldn't be going but we'll normalize it in sort of this boiling frog scenario of spending all of our money is my is my uh cautionary and and tragic tale for for alaska i mean i think that i think that's 
I think you're right. I think that. Well, I think that's. A, I think that a lot of people right now in legislature are concerned about this happening. But again, kind of like n nobody wants this to happen, but nobody really wants to talk about what the alternatives are, right? I mean, you have people talking about cuts, but really those cuts are kind of getting to a point where last session proved that they're not really attainable. But <clears throat> nobody's really talking about the other end of it, which is revenue. You know, the it, kind of the there's been kind of broad agreement that the a smaller PFD is part of the solution, but there really hasn't been any agreement on like what the new revenue looks like. So we, you know, everything from sales tax, to income tax, to oil taxes, to, uh, according to the governor, uh, uh, lottery, state lottery is a, oh a solution. Um, you know, there's talk about, you, know, you could do a sales tax, all these sort of things. And they kind of are on this sort of sliding scale of regressive uh, and, and hard on poor people to, you know, more progressive and, slightly uncomfortable for rich people and so i'm curious about the lottery matt can you back up a second the yeah. lottery is something the, gov the governor mentioned in his state of the state address just recently now that would be raising new revenue do you does he believe that that needs to go to a vote of the people first it doesn't sound like it <laughs> well because he says that all new revenue needs to go to a vote of the well, people. well okay right? so if you listen to him really carefully and this is why i think we're we're i wish there was more of a clear discussion about it right now and i kind of hope that this is what this is sort of trying to do the governor's been really unclear on this and i think that was sort of the big sort of takeaway point for a lot of legislators from the state of the state is that the governor's not really laying out any roadmap at all with this he kind of just has talked really in broad kind of lame broad terms about everything no. and not <laughs> a lot of detail um and so right so yeah so the what if you, if you listen to him really carefully what he says is that all broad base taxes must go to a vote of the people so he's talking about an income tax or maybe a sales tax and and probably but then oil taxes don't really fit in that one either so so yeah it's it's quite it's really weird his views are just like so uh transitional like what we're seeing this year is so much different than what we saw last year so it's hard to know what he believes or wants or demands of the legislature right and so I think in kind of in that absence of discussion, I think there should be legislators should be really thinking about or I would really hope that they're thinking about, you know, the kind of impacts these sort of have on different parts of Alaskans and Alaska economy and the last just Alaskans as far as different income ranges and different brackets and making sure that the people that we are asking to pay for it can pay for it. Right. You know, I think that's a big concern with um the lottery, right, is that it would it would Im impacts people who are bad at math, right? That's kind of the the joke about it. But it really is a quite it's a regressive tax. You know, it's sort of something that you see a lot of people maybe potentially have problems with. But it really, at the end of the day, the estimates only put it at ten to fifteen million dollars of annual revenue. So even if even kind of all the sort of social problems aside, it doesn't really get at the bigger problem we have, which is hundreds of millions of dollars in um, budget deficits. So right. I think, yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of like, what do we want Alaska to look like, right? And I think that's sort of this, this discussion that we still really don't have. You know, we've been talking about the ferries, for example, um, mm -hmm. and that's something that part of the, you know, Matsu uh, legislators have no interest in funding at all. They call it a choice to live in rural Alaska. Um, yeah, that was interesting. So, yeah, I mean, kind of feel like we're ping-ponging between a bunch of different things, but it's kind of how we... It's sort of what this last two or three weeks have been is sort of ping ponging between um, different issues. But you're right. The big the biggest thing out there that, you know, you can get distracted by Tammy Wilson resigning or you can get distracted by, you know, 
little shakeups uh, in the configuration of the legislature. But the but the big thing to keep your eye on is is how are we going to develop a responsible fiscal plan for our state? And that's been the problem for the last what five ten years that we've been right at least as long as you and I have been talking about this. Um, you know, it was something that really came into stark contrast when Walker first came in and the and the prices of oil crashed and. Uh, but it was something that Frank Murkowski was talking about back in what 2002 or something like that. So it's been, it's been a, a a thing that Alaskans have been aware of for a long time, and it's been um, something that we just haven't quite got our arms around or built up the political willpower or the public support for. Um, you know, you've seen legislators uh, as you know, we've seen legislators propose various forms of income tax, but those never get off the ground. It'll be interesting to see. If there's more willpower for that this year, um, if something like the the um, oil tax initiative creates pressure for the legislature to do a bill of their own, or if they just let that one go to a vote of the people, that'll be interesting too. This this session, um, I've been going around and I talked to a lot of people about this session who are in here in Juneau, and and one of the questions I keep asking is like, what are you excited about? Like, what do you hope happens this year? And there's always this long pause. Of reflection because I don't think anyone's excited about anything right now. Well, and, um, the, and it's interesting. <laughs> I've talked to a few. I've talked to a couple legislators, and and they kind of view it as you know we're trying to stop bad stuff from happening right now. You know, like the right. the legislation that's moving the most quickly this session is a House bill that would ban the state from sending prisoners out to out of state private prisons. Like that's that's the sort of stuff that they're interested in right now. There's and that's I think what is so. I think really frustrating about it right now is that there are like big issues facing Alaska that there really isn't like the political energy or a time to really address. You know, I think one of the things from the governor's state of state, I think that is commendable is a lot of talk about, you know, affordable energy for Alaskans, uh, you know, renewable energy for Alaskans and kind of developing those things. But you know, the next day, and which I think is great. You know, I think that if we, if we really want to talk about like growing the economy in Alaska, I think like, Somebody who lived a good in Fair, vision. lived in some as somebody who lived in Fairbanks for a long time with like 24, 28 cent kilowatt hour energy and heating oil for everything like that would make a, make a big difference for a lot of people, I think. Um, but then so the next day and this is kind of the theme that I think kind of came out in a lot of the budget hearings this week was that none of that stuff in the governor's state of the state was really um, represented in anywhere in the budget, you know, and so it's just kind of like empty talk on some level. And I think that is what's really frustrating. And I think. And so a lot of legislators right now are, are kind of looking at it like, well, we have to come up with the entire plan and we have to take the political heat for everything. And I think that's kind of where we're at. I kind of wish they weren't whining about it quite so much, to be honest, because I think like it's your opportunity to lead. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I yeah, exactly. I hope the legislature says, all right, great. You've you've handed us the reins. We're going to run the state. Um, you know, that's what you want to see, right? You want to see someone willing and eager and and uh, knowledgeable doing that. And at least out of the legislature in the last few years, we've seen more of a willingness to to interact with the public and to listen to people. Um, so yeah, good. I'm I'm fine with the governor handing off responsibility. Yeah, it's it's not it's not gone so well so far for him. So I I don't see why it's so bad if he steps away from it right now. To be honest. Yeah. All right. So. So what's going on with the PFD this year? Like, what? where are we at with that? That's where I think this issue of the governor sort of stepping away from leadership with the budget is going to be interesting because, you know, the legislature 
has done has been able to agree basically on one thing for the last few years, and that's a smaller PFD. And so I think that's what I think is um, the one thing we can be sure is going to happen this year, right? We're not going to have a big PFD like the governor wants under the statute, but they are. So they're going to reduce it in some form. The question I think this year, and I think there's some real interest in doing it, is are they going to try to rewrite the statute? And and, and if they do, is the governor going to sign it? Is he going to figure? Is he going to argue that it must go to a vote to the people? We don't really know that, but there do, is sort of interest in redoing that formula. And I'm kind of curious as to like what would you like to see? Because I think. In our discussions, I've been more of the PFD hater a little bit because I think I get so frustrated about it, the kind of pressures it creates on the political system and, and kind of these sort of perverse sort of um, positions that it creates. But you've been much more, I think, of a supporter of the kind of the historical PFD. Also, you grew up in Alaska, so maybe that is part of it, too. But yeah, I'm kind of curious about like what you think would like to see happen or at least what how those discussions should maybe take shape well there's kind of like two things there's there's what what i would like to see and then there's like what i think might be a realistic solution and so i think what i'd like to see is i'd like to see uh everyone get their full pfd and to see that money broken out into um in terms of like this is how much we've got from our resource revenue and this is how much we've got from our um investment revenue so you can clearly see those two things and then i'd like there to be an income tax and you can you, the this uh, pfd would then function not so much as a dividend but as a credit on a state income tax so some people would be paying um would be paying a little bit of income tax. Some people would be getting some money back. Um, and that's kind of the ideal system I see us living under um, because then everyone still gets their full PFD uh, and then can write, basically can write off their taxes against it as a credit or receive some money back. So I, li- I like that system. Um, it's close to something that was proposed a few years ago um, but didn't go anywhere. And uh, I, I don't know that we'll see it go anywhere because there are so many people that f- for kind of just historic uh, oppositional reasons are opposed to an income tax. And and sometimes that's because rich people don't want to pay a lot of money. And sometimes that's just because they've heard no new taxes 5,000 times in their life and have decided that's their idea. Um, so I think that the, so I think that what, what might be a realistic solution is for, um, to set some sort of a, a growing cap on the PFD and to say like, okay, it's going to be X number of dollars and it's going to increase this much each year or no more than this much each year. And then still use that, that five year running average that we've used and try to inflation proof and do all that. And, and, uh, and I think that, so yeah, we could change the formula. I think that's a realistic goal. And I think that's a way to raise some revenue. I, I think it's, really bad because we still have a bunch of rich people paying no taxes and we have um, a bunch of poor people getting less money in their pocket well, so and a lot of so, out-of-state workers too that are yeah, working away with nothing yeah exactly so i I'm, i mean a huge proponent of an income tax it makes a ton of sense um I, i've written about that before it was a thing that that um governor greening fought for for years and years and years um and it, it and it's the reason we have a state today is because we were able to, uh, you know, build our state with that money that we raised from an income tax. Um, I think that and, I, oh, go, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go right ahead. Well, and I think one of the really interesting things about an income tax to me, at least, is that it would 
do a better job at tying Alaska's economy to everything else. So I think that's kind of where we kind of are getting our, one of our core problems right now is that we've kind of been able yeah. to so comfortably live off of um, the PFD and, or sorry, the permanent fund and, and oil revenue for so long that, and, and, um, well, so, yeah, you, you, know, you hit on you, something there. Like if, if the, if our economy grows, if we get a, a million more jobs or a million more residents, it doesn't actually help us at all it just yeah our state is just spread more thin so yeah services get spread out over more people and and you're right so i'd love to see something that ties our our the success of our economy our our population to the success of our state government right and so i think that's that's something i think and and, you know maybe there's other ways of getting about that i i would think that an income tax is probably the easiest way of doing it but um, I think that makes a lot of sense to me because I think you look at the way legislators sort of promote development. You know, I think it ends up being very resource heavy. It doesn't end up being very, um, you know, the, the the way that we kind of favor development is is all kind of really deferential to the resources extraction industry. But that's really the only way we get revenue. But if we had something that was more, you know, if, if, if legislators could look at it and say, OK, we're going to implement this tax break or something or, you know, or, or some kind of policy that invites manufacturers in or something like that, you know, they, they would be able to look at it and say, OK, well, this will make it easier for us in five years because we'll have additional income taxes from the additional thousand people that are, you know, and I think that yeah. kind of that sort of stuff, I think, would help and, and kind of make things more connected. I think that's sort of the. The problem for me is that there's such a big disconnect between a lot of a lot of how Alaska works right now. Yeah, and there's this idea that Alaska has a really um, narrow revenue base because we're so reliant on on oil. Um, but Andrew, Angelo Rodell of of uh, the Permanent Fund um, gave a, a talk to the legislature. She made the point that because of our investment income is spread out all around the world and in in so many businesses we actually have a one of the broadest economic bases of any state right and i think that's the thing is that you know it that that's sort of the thing that i i just wish it, you know if we had if the permanent fund was two or three times as big as it is right now you kind of could be able to sort of thread the needle on all this sort of stuff on 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 paying out a dividend on funding government on avoiding any sort of significant taxes um but that's not where we're at right so we you know we can have this dividend that or this payout from the permanent fund that can kind of cover a little bit of everything but not all of everything and so that's sort of the problem but you see some of the anti-pfd years or the p people who are kind of advocate for a smaller pfd come in because they say it's right you know if you look at the budget without a pfd it balances itself and has a surplus right and that's kind of an amazing spot to be in like if you could run a state government off of an endowment that's cool but like we we just aren't there right and yeah you know we're kind of looking at right now the big breakdown is really between like Matsu and and really and Kenai legislators and kind of everybody else and and this is kind of you know we've sort of heard it like Matsu rising I guess is sort of the way to talk about it but what is Matsu I, rising it sounds like a Facebook group yeah I think so I think somebody's used it I think because the, a lot of the, basically a lot of population growth is happening right there. And we're looking at, um, you know, redistricting with them getting more political power, uh, more seats because of the population growth there. Okay. It's not it's not significant. It's not super. It's not quite as like crazy as, as you might think off the bat. It's like an extra half seat or extra seat or something like that in the house. Yeah. 
But I think um, you, you know that's an interesting point. Is that you know mat, the matsu is growing and it is um, gathering more um, you know political power, and we're seeing that play out in weird ways, like the Wasilla legislative uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> schoolroom lunch program or whatever that was. Um, but I but I think that uh, the other thing we're seeing in the matsu is that there's also it's it's also a dilution like there i know a lot of great folks who live in in the matsu that are um you know that that aren't the dunleavies and um eastmans of the world and i think right. that there's i think that maybe we'll see uh, as they grow as their representation gets spread out more maybe we'll see a more moderating effect um or i hope to see that and and i think on the municipal level in some of the communities out there we're already seeing that yeah, and that's actually I think that's that's the point to make about it. I think, you know, we we watched the veto overrides um, fail for the second time um, on the f- first Friday of the session, and a lot of the reasoning there. I mean, so they were trying to restore some some bond money for schools and and the ferries, and the argument basically out of there, which I think it was it really runs um, contrary to like what we think of as Alaskans was. Well, we don't use them, so screw them. Was kind of their answer. We don't use the ferry, so we don't need it, and right. and it's a choice to live in rural Alaska, which I think is just a really deeply problematic thing to be saying. Who said that? Um, that was Rep- or Senator Senator Shelley Hughes. Yeah, that's a that's the kind of thing that you hope that legislators understand as a problematic statement. Yeah, you'd hope so, but um, I don't think I don't think it's getting to her. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's like this kind of weird selfishness to it. And especially, you know, at the same time, you know, the, we're looking at reports of how a lot of the Matsu boroughs police force is subsidized by the state troopers. You know, they have a right. lot, uh, very high. They don't have a police force, essentially. Right. Right. Like they, yeah. they basically just don't have police and they rely on the state to clean and, up the mess. And I think that's I think that's what's kind of is so frustrating about it because it doesn't feel like a lot of the conversations that are coming from there are particularly honest right now. And I think it is I think it it, it I don't know why that is necessarily, but it's sort of as if they are kind of like sampling their own supply a little too much. Like they they kind of buying into a politically expedient converse, you know, argument of of oh, there's just so much waste in, in government, and if we just cut it, it'll all be fine. And I think that is, for me, a really frustrating thing to see as we are sort of talking about what's next for Alaska or where we're where are we going. Is we have this kind of faction that sort of doesn't really want to believe in any of the problems, you know, that they're that they are motivated by something else. And I think yeah. that is what is really frustrating right now is that. We have a lot of Alaskans who are ready to have a conversation about what should be the next steps, but we have a governor empowered by a minority that is sort of stopping us from really having a very honest conversation about it. And that, I think, is very frustrating. Alaskans, we help each other out unless you don't live here near us. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a it is a it's a it's an odd distortion of our or maybe a poetic distortion of of kind of this this state identity bell that we ring it's tough to say that it's true right now it doesn't feel like we're i don't know at some levels it is i went to the alaska municipal league um 
conference this year, and it was really great to see all the people on the municipal level um, kind of cross-pollinating and working together, and it felt a lot more uh, detached from politics and um, and more about policy, and that was great. And I, I don't know how we get there with the legislature. One of the things I'd love to see is, you know, like any major corporation or any major nonprofit, they have like these vision, visioning sessions. They, you know, like have a big retreat and they they figure out what the vision is. And I don't know that there's a way to do that with the legislature, but it would be amazing to take the leaders of the state and and have them actually like work in a productive way that isn't like this like functional nuts and bolts how much money goes where but more of a um you know more of a uh, mediated uh, facilitated discussion on the future of the state of alaska would be really interesting to see um kind of a low stakes thing that like okay whatever comes out of this isn't you know isn't a specific policy but it's a it's a guideline that will shape all the policy that we work on um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Like, the, I don't know if that process exists in state governments elsewhere. Maybe it does. But it, it really seems like we're not working together to, to have that kind of big vision discussion. So a lot of these discussions are going to be playing out in the finance committees and subfinance committees. And there's a lot there that we could delve into and spend a lot of these meetings that we've been watching are all podcast worthy, all article worthy, all really interesting. But there's another interesting thing that happened um, this on Friday. Uh, I guess we are recording this on on February second right now, so it would have been uh, January thirty first, and that is our Alaska U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski deciding that she's not going to vote for witnesses in the impeachment trial, and this is some pretty big news. Everyone was kind of watching her closely. She's been a moderate, um, and she basically said Congress has failed. And she's really sad about it. And gee, if she only had some, you know, gee, if she was only had some power to do anything about it, you know. And so uh, it really kind of sort of set the day. It was disheartening. Day off the rails a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I almost didn't even notice that Brexit happened. Oh, yeah, Brexit happened. Yeah. Yeah, it was was like the same day as Brexit and everyone was watching Murkowski try and make up her mind. And it was just, you know, I I don't think that I think she'd had her mind made up for quite a while and was mostly just looking for excuses to reinforce her viewpoint. And it was a lot of it was it was really frustrating because it was a lot of um, it, it felt like justifying it because, you know, like, oh, these people are hurting my feelings or these people are are making the wrong art. Are or not making the wrong argument, but making their argument in the wrong way. Like, oh, if only you yeah. had argued this differently, then I could agree with you. But because you argued it in this way, I can't agree with you. Yeah, you didn't ask right. You didn't say, yeah. "May I have this?" Um, yeah, I think that it, I kind of hate the term a little bit because I feel, but it's a very the whole Murkowski approach to this has been very pearl clutchy. I feel like it's talking. You know, she's still worried about the institutional norms. She's, you know, her, her statement talks about, oh, I was concerned that someone was going to try to drag the Supreme Court justice into this. And, oh, gosh, it would be just so terrible if the Supreme Court was politicized. You know, it's like, yeah. where have you been? I, I think that's kind of what it felt like is like, what what have you been watching? And I think that is so it's so frustrating is I feel like we've kind of everybody, I think, is kind of pinned a lot of hopes on her. I think kind of wrongly so in a lot of instances but well you have to kind of do the right thing she's the only person that's going yeah has an opportunity of doing it right yeah when you have Um, when you have nowhere else to pin your hopes then that's where you have to pin them yeah but i think that's i think what is so frustrating is that you know what just happened is 
really in a lot of ways a legitimization of what the president did which i feel like is you know using the office to get some personal gain is really bad it's a really bad precedent to set and uh, especially asking you know a foreign government to interfere in the elections and i think that you know that i think tears down so many of the norms and so many of the institutions that we really deeply care about that like who cares if we have a, a sort of we can who cares if we can kind of pretend that our, our supreme court is not political a political body like and i think like i just don't i kind of don't understand why honestly like i don't understand why and, and this is sort of a bigger conversation about all of the people there but like why why right like why why sell everything out for this guy yeah well and and that's I the thing there's yeah. so much there's so much other context like you know they're they're debating this one specific ins, uh instance and it's a pretty narrow thing and so uh, but I I don't think that you can make that decision, you know, in a void. I think you've got to be able to assess all this other stuff that's going on and swirling around it. And I think that it's hard to it's hard to look at this this you know our president and say like oh yeah maybe you know maybe he's an okay guy after all. <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't know why you wouldn't want to find out more from the people who have worked for him. It's yeah, it's really disturbing. Right. It, yeah, it, it was like a supremely disappointing it, day. And like, it we concerns never... me, Matt. It concerns me. Yeah, yeah. I'm d- deeply disturbed. I'm concerned. But, but will I take any action? You'll have to tune in next week. Yeah. Um, yeah, it it was frustrating. I think um, it kind of, it, honestly, that moment really made me think a lot about the 2016 presidential elections um, and the podcast that we did right after that, too, where we we're talking about. I think productive anger or productive frustration. I can't remember what the term was that yeah. we used, but yeah, it's a sort of it, it, it's a sort of feeling that makes you remember that like good doesn't necessarily win out. That you know the good guy doesn't always win. That uh, we can't count on right to win out. That we need to be able to take put in our own effort to kind of. And it's, I think for me, it's an important thing to, you know, and it doesn't just apply to politics, but just in your personal life that like things aren't going to get better on their own. You know, you got to do something to work on that. And whether that is, you know, um, getting out and, and being involved in politics or in your community or in your even in your personal life, whether you're looking at making yourself better or your community better or whatever, I think. That is sort of where I'm trying to put my energy right now because I think otherwise I just feel I feel so deeply disappointed by where we're at right now. Yeah, that it's hard to kind of it's hard to feel good about a lot of stuff. And I think um, the night before that all happened, um, Libby Bacalar, you'd know she's she's the former attorney general. She's the woman who got uh, loyalty oath fired by the, the governor. Um one hot mess. Great. One hot mess, yes. And um, so she, she came to Anchorage and, and gave us uh, basically a talk about sort of who she is and kind of her experiences and everything kind of in the First Amendment and protesting in sort of the modern social media age. And she had a, a really good point that really continued to resonate, really resonated me with me as I was watching all the coverage of Lisa Murkowski, which is the... You know, the, the kind of people who are in power right now really want to have a subservient kind of unquestioning 
populace. And that's they do that, you know, by making us sick, by making us stupid, by making us afraid and dividing us, you know. And so she's talking about in that lens, you know, so those are those are cuts to education, those are cuts to health care, those are fears about immigrants, those are, you know, the otherization of Democrats and the lamestream media, all that sort of stuff is sort of meant to make us more servile, I believe, or at least it's her argument. And so in that lens, you know, she's talking about how, you know, stuff like self-care, eating better, taking care of yourself, educating yourself, um, having some empathy, being brave are all acts of resistance. And I think that I think is a really productive way to be able to look at this right now, to be able to say, Okay, well, you know, fine. We have a president who's above the law. Fine. Like, let's let me focus on what I can change, I guess. And so that is, you know, all these sort of different things. And I think that I think makes me feel a little bit better, I guess. And, you know, maybe we'll see how it, you know, in the long term, I don't know if, you know, me taking care of myself and and baking bread and and connecting with other people is going to make me feel a whole lot better about the rise of fascism in America. But, you know, it, it's something we can do and something we have control over. And it, I, I don't know. I think it, it. I'm feeling I know a lot of people are feeling really frustrated right now. Yeah. Staying and, alive and staying present and doing what you can to not be overwhelmed is really important. And it's, you know, we we need to be able to try and find the things that center us so that we can be there when we're when we're needed. And, right. you know, Alaska is one of those places that really operates on kind of tight social networks and word of mouth and who you know and stuff. So I just want to take a second and say that, you know, I know Libby really well um, and that she is a, is a great person. Like I've heard her speak in public. She's very passionate about speaking up. You know, she's, she's, she will not be silenced and she's very brave about speaking. And I think that that's hard for some people to, to imagine. I think there are a lot of people that, um, you know, you work for the state or you work for a small business and it's hard to, um, say what you think because it might impact your job and for her it did impact her job but she was brave enough to speak up and that was really admirable i serve with her on the board of aware which is our uh, local shelter and um, she does a ton of good work there for her community and um, you know she's she's got some great kids and she's um, you know she's a good mom and she's a, a good person to have around. And, um, I know a lot of people who think very highly of her. And so I just, um, I, you know, I see efforts to kind of like mischaracterize her, um, from people who don't know her that well, or who are intimidated by the things that she's saying. And so I just wanted to take a second to push back about against that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad you well, went to her talk. That must've been a great. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing that she talked about too, was, you know, the purpose of the first amendment, right? The first amendment isn't, and this is kind of her words, the First Amendment isn't for easy speech, right? It's not for speech that is kind of subservient and loyal to the powers that be. And it, it's for speech that makes government uncomfortable. And it's speech that is challenging, um, obscene, and disloyal. And I think that is a really good, and I think that kind of gets to kind of who she is and who we kind of think, like what we kind of want to protect about being american a little bit is that we are obscene and challenging and disloyal and i think that kind of stuff is it's important to for freedom in a lot of ways and i think um i think it really kind of made me remember and think about and value kind of the position that i we get to be in about having a platform to be able to talk about our ideas and all this sort of stuff and 
um, I think it's great. And, you know, I think if, 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 you know, if they had their way, you know, this, you know, would, would, what, how would it be different? Right. You know, and I think some of the challenges on the media and attacks on the media are really worrying to me because it, it is driving toward a kind of a, yeah, fascist control of everybody. And I think that is, should be really worrying. Going back to what you're talking about, like the the sort of libertarian streak in Alaska and like some of this Matsu rising stuff, is it is it? I don't understand how um, how does like libertarianism shift to authoritarianism? Like how does the idea that like we should be able to do whatever we want shift into I should be able to tell you whatever I want? So I think you... that I think it's not nobody's really all that intellectually honest. If I'm being like, I think is if that, that's being, sort of the issue. If I'm right? being intellectually honest, no one is intellectually I mean, honest. <laughs> but I think, I think when you talk about you know the libertarian stuff, I think it you know it often ends up being a exercise in cutting uh, social service nets, just social safety nets. Like that's all libertarian, kind of modern libertarian sort of ends up being. It's it's cutting social safety nets while also being really pro gun, and it's somehow not very. I don't think the people be are all that honest about it, right? I think it's just sort of a vehicle for talking about smaller government, and that's fine on one hand, but it doesn't, you know, does it increase freedom? I kind of don't think so. And I would argue that social safety nets programs and social safety net spending actually increases freedom because people aren't worrying as much about, uh, you know, being sick and dying and being able to be productive, healthy members of society, I would argue is more free and more you know and they're getting closer to that idea of freedom for all people but yeah taxes Re- i guess they just don't like taxes <laughs> yeah okay yeah i don't know it's hard to it's hard to classify people i guess um and our yeah. i think that our ideas change depending on what pressures we're under too so right um all right well i i think that was a good discussion it's it's, it's going to be an interesting session i guess i want to kind of wrap up and end on the question i've been asking everyone in town here like what are you excited about this session i'm excited i'm kind of excited for this whole so we've had you know an interim we've had a whole year of the dunleavy administration we've had a whole year of kind of bizarre uh cronyism cronyism i would say you know you look at a lot of these lawsuits for example that's just one element you look at um all the other contracts these sole source contracts that we really haven't gotten a lot of answers for. You know, they kind of pop up and they kind of go on. But I know a lot of legislators are really interested in getting these answers and they are in a position to get some answers. And so I'm really excited for some of the oversight abilities that the legislature has. It's kind of playing out in stuff like the the finance subcommittees that, you know, they each of them kind of reviews each individual budget. They're a little more kind of loose, I guess. But there's been some already really kind of interesting and tough questioning there. There's been um, the Department of Law that was talking about all of these sole source um, uh, contracts for litigation um, have been really interesting. There's some interesting talk around there. There's some talk around all of the uh, contracts, um, sole source contracts. And so I think that is is really interesting. I'm really excited to see a little bit of oversight and a little bit of um Kind of, you know, what is it? The, uh, sun sunlight is the best disinfectant, right? So, yeah. Um, and I think I think legislators are really concerned about some of these bad policies and are interested in, in backstopping them. So, you know, we are looking at stuff like this bill that would um, make it 
so the state couldn't ship inmates out of state to private prisons. And so that sort of stuff sounds sounds good. I think that's and some good stuff that puts, you know, I think that's sort of, I think, what I, I really like about Alaska's political situation compared to the national situation we have where, you know, we don't have a Republican Party that is completely um, subservient to the executive, right? We don't, we, they are still interested in exerting some kind of oversight and some kind of like uh, guardrail, putting guardrails on it. Because I think that's kind of what we're realizing is that we have, you know, we have a democracy where we're operating under the assumption that the executive would faithfully carry out the laws and not line their own pockets. And, but we're, and so where the the federal on the federal side congress has been really interested in in kind of normalizing that. that yeah yeah i think that on the on the on the legislative level at least there's been a decent amount of interest in 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 being able to put a backstop to it. i think people are still very serious about legislature being a co-equal branch with the executive yeah uh, we have a court system that is is very um, is willing to kind of flex its muscles sometimes with it and be able to at least sort of talk about some of the issues that are coming up. That's all. I think it's good. I think I'm excited to see that. I think I'm excited to see, you know, it's like uh, the fantasy. Ver- if only the if only Congress could be like the Alaska legislature, you know, um, yeah. they have really yeah. risen to this challenge and I hope that they will continue to do so. Like this is going to be a big year and they have the opportunity to roll up their sleeves and really do some work. And I hope that they they get after it because it's yeah. It's it's time. What are you excited for? Um, what am I excited for? Um, I don't know, man. It's Marmot Day. I'm pumped about that. Uh, I I like marmots. I'm gonna draw a marmot cartoon and send it to you today. Um, oh, good. That's what I'm excited about for the legislative session. I'm just like, I'm a little bit honestly. I'm like a little exhausted from last year. Um, I'm yeah. excited. I'm excited, frankly, for the recall to get rolling. Like that's what I'm I'm pumped about. So, um. I think that's going to be, I think that's the only reason that Dunleavy has moderated his, his views and actions. And I think that it's the only thing holding him in check. And I think that as long as that's on the table, we've got a chance to like fix some things. So, um, yeah, I like seeing that. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, with that, I guess I got to go start getting some pizza ready for the big game and, um, the marmot game. Maybe. Yeah, take the dogs out and to make sure they're not too crazy. So I guess I'll see you next time. All right. I'll see you soon, Matt. Uh, Goodbye, Alaska. Bye, Alaska.